Welcome back to Pure Skin Talk. My name is Devin MacArthur. Today is going to be part two of my interview with Stephen Mango on his hair transplant. Just in case you don't remember, we ended where he was getting numbed up and he wanted to talk to his friend James and have James come on back. So let's find out what happened with that. Also, I do want to warn you, we do talk about a little bit of blood. I mean, I get grossed out pretty easily. I don't like surgery stories and I was totally fine with this one. But I do want to warn you just in case, I think it's like 10 minutes in or something like that. So you can fast forward if you're sensitive, but it's really not that big of a deal. But I just felt like I should let you guys know just in case you do get queasy. But man, it was quite a journey. I just, I don't think I would do it, but... Good for him. So here we go. Part two. So then as they're doing the numbing, Ali comes in. I was like, okay, how's everything going? Because it's like an hour later. And I'm just like, oh yeah, everything's fine. Like maybe you should get James to come in to film a little bit of like what's going on, like film some like the numbing or whatever, right? So then Ali goes, oh, James left. So I'm thinking like he's joking, like, oh, maybe he left to go to the bathroom or maybe like something happened. He's like, no, like James like actually like left the building. (laughs) So I thought he was staying around because I wanted him to come in like every hour to film little content. But I guess Ali was saying for like the sterility of it, they don't want someone like to open the door, like someone else comes in who's not scrubbed in for surgery, you know, like obviously going through all like the putting on gloves and like the surgical gown, like they just can't have him coming in and out, you know, back and forth like I thought that he would. So did James know that? And that's why he left? Or did he, you don't know. Okay. Yeah, I think Ali might've told him like, hey, you know what? You're just gonna have to sit here for like eight hours or something maybe. Right. Maybe it's a good idea if you wanna like take a little bit of a break or go somewhere. But at this point, it's not even so much about that. It's just more the fact that I didn't know and I'm having limited information. I'm just told like he left and my friend, he went shopping and he went in a taxi and the big taxi tried to scam him and all this sort of stuff. So there's like- not believing you. Yeah, for like trying to charge him like $250 or something. And there was like this whole drama that was happening while I was actually in for the surgery. So they were dealing with that, like Ali and they were like dealing with James, like trying to figure out his thing. But I'm thinking like, okay, now my friend is in a foreign country. I don't know where he went. And again, I'm in the middle of surgery. They're starting to drill into my scalp at this point. So I'm like nervous that he's going to get kidnapped or something. And that's the second part. So there's basically three parts. It's not like too much longer of this part of the surgical story. It is eight hours of doing all of this. So I, again, the hours are going by. I didn't know what time it was. It was just a big blur. They had multiple nurses using these drills. So it punches into like the sides of my head, like basically from the right, left side and like the full back is the donor area. So they use these little drills after you're fully numb. And the thing is I metabolize any sort of anesthesia fast. So I don't feel numb for the full time. So if they say numb me on the left side, but start on the right side, by the time they get back to the left side, I'm not as numb. You could feel like the drilling. So that's basically what's happening. And then they have to do those numbing shots all over again. It was like literally a nightmare. It was the worst surgical type of thing ever. And then they're drilling in and then they're pulling out the grass with the hair on them and like the follicle and stuff. So they do that basically to get 3000 of them. And then there's the nurses separating the hair. Like there's some hairs that are like threes, twos, and then like ones. And they want the ones because those like live better in the head. So they have to discard some of the ones that are like the threes and the twos of how they're like sprouted in my head, I guess. 
And they locally numb the whole front where the hairline is. So all this top part right here mm -hmm. where all the 3000 grafts are, then they have to numb that. So then there's another round of the, that painful local numbing where I'm like moaning. I'm like, oh, like just like screaming out in pain. Like literally it was that bad. It's like, I couldn't even fake it. Just oh for like, gosh. okay, just be tough. Then the doctor comes in and then the nurse does the next step after two and helps. But the doctor goes and makes 3000 little like incisions and cuts all onto the top. But I'm already numb. I didn't feel that. It feels like microblading sort of, <laughs> you know, they're, they're like- You feel the pressure, but into. that's it. Yeah, yeah. So they did that and that took like an hour plus, maybe longer than that. And then for the, the remaining like three plus hours, however long there was multiple people just on top of me putting in the grafts. Now in Turkey too, what I realized is that not all of them wear like deodorant and stuff like that. So I'm lying there. <laughs> you guys can see like, I'm like, this is why you don't go to a foreign country for surgery. I'm lying there, closing my eyes, trying to meditate in my head, trying to be like, okay, just breathe, relax. And then one of the nurses or someone isn't wearing like deodorant or something. So I'm smelling this guy, which is giving me a headache as they're doing whatever the hell that they're doing on the top of my head. And then they put in all the 3000 grafts. I'm sitting there. I'm just trying to meditate, trying to do like anything. Then they're playing like music videos and stuff. And I'm like, okay, maybe I can kind of like lift my eyes to see. So they're playing like Turkish music videos and it's like Selena Gomez and it's like more Turkish music. Then it's like Demi Lovato and then it's like rap music. And they're like the weirdest playlist like ever. You're like, you do you have Turkey Netflix? Like what's yeah, going on? Yeah, I'm like, can we watch something? Like should have brought <laughs> headphones or something. It was so weird. So then at the very end, after all of this, right? I'm like delirious and my head is... If feels like your head is having like a pressure, almost like you have a balloon or a helmet inside your head. You can't even feel it. Like you put your head down. You're like, is, am I resting my head on something or what? All the people from the clinic come in with like cameras and all these different things. James is back. And so he's with my camera and stuff. And now they want me to be filming content on the table again, talking about my experience. Oh my they gosh. want to show all the graphs for like another like 30 plus, maybe like actually an hour because I filmed videos after that too. I was so mad because they're asking me there, you need to write three reviews, one on Trustpilot, one on Google reviews, one on the Turkey Google reviews, this, that. We need photos uploaded and all these things. I'm like, I just got out of surgery. Like I'm on the table. I'm not going to be writing you a trust pilot review about my experience. Like I'll do it when I'm back or in a couple of days. Like you're really thinking like right now, yeah. right after surgery, I'm going to write reviews. Well, they don't trust that if you leave, then you're not going to do it when you That's will do it. Yeah. But it was just like such an overwhelming eight hours straight. Like I didn't eat, I was starving. And now they want me to start smiling. They're like energy, energy, energy <laughs> to film. And I'm just like ready to like pass out. I'm so tired. Oh so then we're doing gosh. again, they're spinning me in that chair to try oh to do like the, the transition, right? So then now they're spinning me and I'm dizzy and already dizzy and hungry. And my head feels like it's going to explode. So they give me the blow up neck pillow. They give me like the shampoo and the foam. So like, we'll teach you how to do it tomorrow and stuff like that. You may be like leaking fluids, but it was just basically like they wanted me to give them all this content. Then they didn't really give me a bunch of the aftercare that I probably would have liked to have went over more than talking about social media content at that point. We went back to the hotel and get an hour, another hour drive before we could eat, do anything, another hour. So after the eight hour surgery, an hour of filming, then we took another hour and I barely slept two or three hours over the last two days. Now we're back at the hotel, we eat, and then I lie down at night. And that's when I start feeling like my, that's when I was starting to post online mm -hmm. in our group about what was kind of going on. Cause I have this blow up air neck pillow that almost felt like, it's just like so stiff. It's not like a memory foam neck pillow. It just felt like really stiff air. So it was putting a lot of pressure on my neck in like the back donor area where they extracted the grafts from. 
So that night I felt like my fever, not really, I don't know if I had a fever or not because I didn't have a thermometer. They just gave me like antibiotics. They had prednisone for the next day, Tylenol, like just various type of things. And then that all started tomorrow though, because they said, don't take anything tonight, take it tomorrow because of all the numbing and things that they do. I don't know. So I'm laying there. I feel like my body temperature is going up. I feel like I'm in shock. Like my body's like, oh my God, what the hell just happened to you? That's a lot of trauma. I have all these living graphs in my head. You can feel them like kind of like moving or like going into the scalp. My head's throbbing. It was the trauma of my scalp going from like normal, like, you know, my body just feels normal, normal, normal. Then all of a sudden, boom, 50 plus shots into my scalp and all these cuts and thousands of graphs and drilling. And it was just so overwhelming. And I'm alone. I mean, James is there, but you know, he's in the other room and it's not like being with my husband or in bed or feeling like if I have a surgery and I can go in my own bed at home next to my husband, yeah, it's still going to be the same situation, but I have someone who's nursing me for it. At that point, it's that emotional support, you know? It's it's Mm. not the physical because your husband's not going to take that away, but it's having him there and it's somebody that you know you can trust and you can be like, hey, get me water without being like, oh, I feel bad asking this guy to get me water, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, but my husband was panicked too. Like speaking about Jeff, he was panicked because he kept texting me like after and I was filming this content. So I figured James already probably texted him and Allie and stuff, but him and Jeff and Allie were texting like, oh, they're probably just wondering like how it went and stuff like that. And Jeff's like, you should have been out of surgery so long ago. What's going on? I'm really worried and blah, blah, blah. The thing was when I was having my surgery, because LA is 10 hours behind, if you think about it, if I was going in surgery at 10 a.m., it's really like, you know, 11 p.m. or midnight or, you know, whatever time Mm -hmm. it was. So as I'm having surgery and it's 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in LA, he's not going to be texting my friend asking like, how's Steve doing? He's probably asleep. But what my husband wanted was like, wake up and be like, everything went okay. He got out, everything was good. But my husband didn't hear from anyone about how my surgery went. James might have forgotten to send some he's okay text messages? <laughs> I think so. I don't know. I don't, I think, because I asked, I said, oh no, because um, Jeff didn't write to him. I'm like, Jeff was asleep. You know what I mean? Like Jeff right. didn't, he wasn't awake at that time. But I uh, luckily pretty quickly spoke to my husband afterwards within an hour. So he wasn't too overwhelmed. But I mean, still he was panicked yeah. as obviously anyone's spouse is getting a surgery in a foreign country. Yeah. So I'm laying in bed. I was writing my post online for like beauty groups and stuff about what I went through. And then I'm feeling like, again, just like for like the sheer, like, so people understand like when they think like, oh, I could save money or do a procedure. Like I was going to pay a few thousand dollars when I wasn't a quote unquote influencer to do it. So, I mean, if I did spend a couple thousand plus flights and stuff, I mean, it's still a big investment either way, but I'm laying down there and I smell kind of like the fluids and like the blood. I know it sounds so gross to say I could smell it coming out of my head and it's like dripping onto the neck pillow, which I'm supposed to be using for like the flight home in like two days and all these things. Right. But it's like a disposable kind of cheap. And I'm like, I was going to buy another one, but it was like leaking and dripping. I had this neck pillow on that's so uncomfortable. So I can't sleep after all the surgery, plus the time difference, plus my friends in the other room. And now he's asleep because it's like two or three in the morning, Jeff and everyone, you know, anxious, but nothing he can do because he's in a different place. And I feel like I'm having a fever, whatever. So I'm waking up and this happened the following day too. I felt so nauseous. Like I was going to throw up just from like just the sheer like smell and the feeling and just the whole shock and everything. My body was just like so discombobulated. But then what happened was I was texting James because again, I didn't really sleep and he wasn't really asleep. So we went to that buffet, like that morning breakfast sort of thing. And I said, you know what? Maybe I'll feel better when I take the antibiotics and the prednisone because 
you know, as a steroid is going to give you like a little bit of amped up energy type of thing. So I had some yogurt, if I could just kind of like choke it down, because like maybe I just need that. Maybe I'm running a fever or something's going on, I don't know. But I took all the medication and that was on Friday. The surgery was on Thursday. So I started feeling better. So all of a sudden I'm feeling good. And then Ali from the clinic, giving you guys all the gossip about how it went, he said, oh, we're going to have one of my assistants take you and James to go shopping because we wanted to go see the Grand Bazaar shops, which was, again, I didn't realize, but- an I'll hour away. It was like, an, it was, yeah, it was, probably, it was about an hour away. It was like 38 or 45 minutes, but it took even longer. And now it's raining, so I can't get my head wet. So I had an umbrella. But I'm thinking, here I am taking my friend to a foreign country. I don't want to like be that person where I'm like, I'm just going to stay in the room. I was starting to feel better. I went on this huge trip 14 hours away. Let me just try, like I can sleep at home or on the plane ride back. Let me just try to go and have a little bit of fun. So Ali sends this like 22-year-old guy and he doesn't really speak good English. We get in the cab and the cab goes because there's so much traffic, just like LA in Istanbul. It's like bumper to bumper traffic. Mm -hmm. So then the guy goes, oh, my taxi doesn't go to whatever part of Istanbul. Like there's too much traffic. But what I'll do is I'll drop you guys off at the train station or something or the bus station or I think it was the train station first. So I'm like telling the guy and trying to communicate. Again, you do like Google Translate and try to tell the foreign assistant, trying to say, hey, I just had surgery. My scalp hurts. I don't want to be outside going on trains. Like, let's just go in another cab. But the guy goes, no, 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 it's not too far. Like, let's just go onto the train. We go onto the train. We're walking for like five minutes from where the taxi dropped us off. It's raining. It's like stormy type of weather. My head, again, all these open cuts on it feels super cold. And I'm starting to feel kind of like worse. So then we go on this train, the guy gets lost. We go on a second train. Again, the guy's looking around. We go on a third train and the guy goes, oh, no, 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 it's over here. And then James is trying to call Ali and all this stuff. He's taking us all over. Why can't we just go in a cab? I don't know why the guy won't go in another cab with us. I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand the currency. So this is just like the panic that I'm having. We find some other like bus or something we go on. Then we walk another like five, 10 minutes, maybe longer until we go to those shops. We walk around, felt okay. But then that guy was being really shady. And like, they were trying to scam us for like, we would go into these stores and Ali's assistant would make us, I'm not going to go on too much about this, but basically was trying to say like, hey, charge Steve and James double and give me a kickback. No. That's what the guy was giving us the tour. Like, hey, for that shirt, you know, if it's $50, charge a hundred and give me a kickback. And that's why the assistant was doing this to take us to the shops in the first place. So we had a fight with the guy because trying to go home back to the hotel, the guy was talking to this taxi driver. He was trying to negotiate a fee. Same thing. Charge Steve and James more money and then give me a kickback. And that taxi driver was smoking a cigarette. And now, meanwhile, I have all these open cuts on my head. I don't want cigarette smoke getting into all those cuts and burns or infections. So there was a cab behind, we hail a cab behind us. And basically that other cab driver smoking came to us. We have a business to run and you're trying to like not use the smoking guy. The smoking guy's like, hey, now I'm losing business because you're going into my competitor's cab. They're all fighting. So the assistant like left with that other guy and James and I went into a cab and we had to drive the the cab drove onto a boat because we were on like the Asia side. It took another hour and a half to get home. So he had to go, like he literally drove where, what the hell is going on? This so we were in the crazy. car, we drive onto a boat and then all of a sudden, like we're like driving into the water. There was like this thing that came down and the cab driver goes, get out of the car again. We don't know what's going on. Get out of the car. And then we walk into the boat and the boat's carrying like the cars and all the people. And then we're going on a boat to God knows where. We got back to the hotel and then we have 
a crappy dinner and then we fly home the next day. And oh that's gosh. basically my Istanbul trip. I mean, it's a long story, but I had to give you all the details of it, but that was oh literally gosh. how wild it was. Then 14 hours on a plane, got a better neck pillow. Thankfully, I was Can able to sleep. Can you imagine if you brought that bloody neck pillow bloody to old. the airport? <laughs> but see, they know, they know in Istanbul, everyone goes there. So they charge so much money for those neck pillows because they know everyone wants one for the flight. So they're charging like 30, 50, hundred dollars because oh they know gosh. people need them. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, I'm not taking this bloody neck pillow, but I stopped bleeding at that point. Luckily, like all yeah. the fluid stopped and everything. So I felt pretty good. I just can't get my head wet. So my husband, like literally, I'm so glad I have him to like pour water over my head. Like I have to put this foam on, like this medicated foam sits on the head and then you rinse that off. Then you use like shampoo without no pressure. You just have to get like the bubbles like kind of on your head and then rinse it off. Honestly, the recovery now is so easy. That's all I do every day. I don't have to put any ointments on. I don't need any pills. I mean, I have one more day of antibiotics or something, but it's honestly like not painful. It's just the donor area. It's kind of numb in the back. That's the only thing from where they drilled. So recovery <laughs> is easy. That's great. When are you going to start seeing growth? I think like what happens is the hair starts to grow within like the first like two, three weeks or month. Then you have a shock loss period where the hair falls out and then the follicle is still there and then it regrows again. So I'm going to take like the minoxidil, the Propecia, and just hope that that kind of helps with the hair growth or preventing future loss. But they say the final, final end results will be a year. You'll have it basically at nine months, but sometimes like the texture changes or you get more density as it goes on. But sometimes, you know, I see people online like three, four months and they have nice hair. My birthday's in July. I'm like, hopefully by July, it looks decent. And then, yeah, by like the year point, I'll have like the full entire like final effect. July what? Five. Okay, <laughs> I'm the 12th. So that's why we get along because we're both cancers. We're both cancer. Okay, so some people had some questions. I know somebody definitely wanted to know about the recovery and how you're doing. I'm alive. <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm alive. <laughs> that you are really telling a story that'll make people want to do it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's... <laughs> I mean, you might on your the videos. Uh-huh. But yeah. this, this, it's kind of scary. You get to the airport, the guy's not there. I mean, eventually he showed up, but that's scary. I would have had a panic attack alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm just all James. the steps yeah. of, of what happened, it sounds scary. And probably maybe safer for men than, you know, for a woman for to women. be, you know, traveling alone or whatever, even with totally. a, a girlfriend, you know, it can get scary for women. But I think that it is crazy what you went through. Like <laughs> I already knew most of that story, but I didn't know all the little like nitty gritty. And it, it, it honestly sounds terrifying. I would go bald. I think before I would do before, before if I, I knew that. if I knew how painful the numbing shots were and just like what this was going to be like oh I definitely would have just put a hat on for life and just been like or do it in LA one day when I'm like wealthy to do it right. but that's the thing any sort of surgery is too, you're gonna have that recovery. So then imagine now going on a plane and then the pressure in your scalp yeah. is from like the cabin pressure. Yeah. So people think like, oh yeah, I'm having the surgery, whatever. It's like, unless you're gonna stay for two weeks to recover, then go on the flight. Cause then you have the 14 hour flight. What if you're bleeding? Or what if you have like the neck pillow issue like I had, or just like you feel nauseous and sick and then you're on the plane. And it's just like, there's a lot of like risk of it too. And I think I impulsively was like, I want it. And just like thinking about transplant, transplant. This is what I want. This is my goal. It's perfect time. I don't <laughs> want to miss out 
out. I'm never going to, who's going to offer it for free? You know, I'm like, right. this is perfect. The clinic had 120,000 followers. I'm like, okay, they have a big audience of people too that are like going there and, you know, following their clinic. It's not like they had 300 followers or something. But right. again, maybe they right. can manipulate it. But I was kind of just like trusting you know, what I kind of saw online, I did my research and I saw they had a lot of good reviews, but then again, they're asking people on the operating table to write the reviews now that I see that, right? So they can obviously fake things. So definitely talk to other patients. I should have done the consultation upfront to meet the doctor, seeing the clinic maybe on a video camera. There's things I probably could have done differently, but that's the thing. I don't know if I would go to a foreign country again for anything. I wanted to go to Colombia to get veneers because there's two good clinics there and they work with influencers to get them really nice porcelain veneers. That's tempting. It's tempting, and especially there's no recovery. I, okay, I'll fly you if I decide to go to, to Columbia. I'll fly you with me for that one. I'll start building up my social media so they'll want to do it yeah, for free. Yeah, so then we can both get it done together. Yeah. We can do like a joint video together for yeah. them. But definitely for like nose job, any sort of surgery, facial surgeries, I would never be out of the country unless I'm crazy in my head to do it again somehow, but I I don't have I mean, I'm glad that that. like it was safe and like, it doesn't sound like any of their practices were questionable or anything like that. So that's good. A gamble though. Oh, you totally did. But (laughs) had you like say you flew to Florida for this, half of that story wouldn't have been there. It was just Mm. more of a struggle because you were in a different country and you didn't speak the language. So, you know, it's good that the surgery itself seemed to go well and that that part, that's the scariest part, you know, is that always what bring if, friends. Always, yep. always bring always a friend bring a friend that will stay. What if I was alone? What if I was alone by myself, panicked, and I didn't have someone to kind of like help out with all these little things? Yeah. And I would have felt nervous. Like now I'm in a car with these two guys alone. I don't really understand them. And it would have just been so much right. worse. So then you have to just, anyone thinking about going overseas for something, then add in the extra $1,500 or 2000 when you have to put your friend up in a hotel room or because I get the free hotel, maybe your friend could stay with you, but you know what I mean? You're still going to have to spend an extra thousand or two. So that goes on top of it versus just doing it in America. And you're basically getting it at like the same sort of cost when you add in all the travel and everything. So yeah, I would think maybe next time just for somebody in America. Yeah, or maybe Canada, <laughs> maybe Canada, yeah. but yeah, you got, you got to be careful. I, you know why I figured it too, because they do so many transplants there. Like they were doing 22 that week. So they're doing like a hundred a month in LA. They, some of these doctors do less than four or five. They do one every like two, three months. Cause it's so expensive. Yeah. People don't routinely get it, right. but they're, they're just knocking them out. They have way better results, way more experience. And the doctor is here. They're like, we do it, but it's kind of like on the menu near the bottom. Cause they're just not specialized like in Turkey. So right. Turkey is a place to go for it, but it's like the big gamble of <laughs> everything I just explained. I mean, it's also your life. So you might want to like think about that next time. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So some of the questions, and it's not all related to this, but I thought this was a good question. Like beyond confidence, have you seen like a great impact on your career or career goals based on recent procedures? I mean, I know that you're the nurse and you want to open the meds. Well, like I know all that, but have you seen any difference as far as how people react to you or, you know, whatever? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's going to help my future career in the sense that like if someone looks really good and you're delivering beauty treatments and stuff when people be like, oh, like what, you know, what do you do on your nose or your skin or this or that? It's going to give more trust, I think, too, in like the aesthetic space when I do that. So I definitely think in the future it's going to help when I finish like all like my beauty treatments I want to do. 
Yeah, definitely people comment more on my like appearance. Like, wow, you're so handsome about this or that or just different things about that that make me feel good or just attention in that sort of regard. Not that I feel like I'm a supermodel, but it's definitely different even for like acting stuff when I was wanting to do acting or like if I wanted to start auditioning, go out for like a little bit better looking than I was going out for before. Or if I want to do like a podcast myself on video and stuff, I just feel like it's mostly right now just for me and like the creative nature of like designing my face, how I kind of see it as like an artistic self-expression, like people get tattoos. I like doing like aesthetic sort of medical procedures, but it's hard to say right now because I'm in school. So I can't really say hundred <laughs> percent. But I think that you just having the knowledge, because I know for me, when I'm working on clients, like I'm doing this new peel in my treatment room and I did it on me first. And I'm so glad I did because of how it felt when I did it, when I took it off, like all these little things that I did not expect to happen. And it's not going to happen to most people. I'm just sensitive and reactive. So, of course, it mm-hmm. happened to me. But <laughs> if that I did have that client who had the same results as me or the same symptoms, side effects, whatever, I can say, well, that's normal because it happened. So that gives mm-hmm. you such an advantage because you have done, I don't know, everything. everything so you could just be like, let me walk you through it. I know what to do. And people are going to yep. trust that because you're not just talking from watching it or being the nurse or yep. whatever. You're like, no, I physically did it. So, yep. you know, how long it lasts, what the recovery is, right. all of that. Yep. And like, you know, we talked about everybody's different, but there's some things that are just going to be consistent with, kind you know, of standard. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Okay. So what has been your favorite procedure? Pick one. Ooh. Oh, it's so hard to say. I really loved my chin implant, but I would say right now what I'm obsessed with is sculpture in the face because I don't need filler because it just grows your own collagen, your own volume. So if you, if anyone out there needs like, if you're aging in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and you're like, I need my temples done, my cheeks, my jawline, my chin, it's going to cost me $20,000. You just really need one vial for every 10 years old you are. So if you're like 40, plan on four vials. So, you know, you can maybe get it at $500 maybe or something like that, 600, and then you're getting four. Still expensive, but then it's going to last as long as you hold collagen. So it could be years and years and years versus, you know, you need 10 syringes of filler at 800 and then it goes away in six months. So sculpture has just been like a game changer. And I like the, the more natural route. It'll give you a natural look. Doesn't look puffy, doesn't look fake, jelly. It looks really natural. Somebody asked, what do you recommend as a first procedure? But I think that that would be really different for everybody because most people are not going to go through everything that you've gone through. There's that. Uh And I think, but if you were like, I'm going to pick five things that I want done and I pick five things, importance I would feel is what you should pick Mm -hmm. first. What do you care most about? I don't think that there's necessarily something Mm -hmm. that you do this first because you might not care about that, Um, but I do, you know? Maybe like, for example, if you want your nose done, try it with filler and see if you like the look first Yeah, because then you're only spending a couple hundred dollars or a few thousand, not even a few thousand, maybe like max a thousand dollars, maybe do it, see how you like it. And then maybe you're like, oh, I kind of like it ruined my character by filling in the bump or something or like the little divots and stuff. Test it out. Don't go from zero to a hundred. And then, you know, like I'm crazy. I'm going to do things awake and I, you know, because I know what to expect with beauty and I love medical aesthetic sort of stuff. So I'm fine with being awake. Some people obviously are more scared. People just have to keep in mind though, like say you do your nose, what's going to end up happening is it throws balance off. Like now your nose is straight and it's going to make your chin look a little bit maybe smaller Then you're going to need chin filler. Then you're going to say, my chin's a little pointy. It makes my, you know, whatever, cheeks look a little hollow. Then you're going to say, as your cheeks come out more here, 
then it's going to give a shadow in your under eye. I need tear trough filler. Then the temples, right. because the higher part of the cheekbones look pointier. Oh, my temples look thinner. So don't be surprised you do one thing that you want to do and then everything else throws off. It's such a slippery slope. It really, mm, yeah. this is why I- Then you do everything. Okay, I can't go down the road. I just can't. <laughs> okay, somebody else asked, is he ever worried about going a too far with a plastic <laughs> surgery like that human Ken doll? <laughs> <laughs> I don't look anything like that yet. <laughs> no, no, you do no. not. What's his name? It's Justin, I think, something. I've heard him interviewed. He actually seems like a really nice guy. No, no, he seems cool because he does all even more than I've ever done. Uh, I mean, um, he's I had always like say it's like a spectrum. Yeah, like literally head to toe, <laughs> yeah. literally every every square inch of the body. I told my husband this the other day. I'm like, it's definitely a spectrum where there is someone like a Justin, like the 10 out of 10, like the most extreme sort of plastic surgery aesthetics. And then on like the one side, like from a one to 10, the one is going to be someone who's using two-in-one shampoo, conditioner, barely gets out of better showers or brushes their hair, doesn't do anything for their skin, like kind of frumpy looking, right? And my husband said, you're kind of like at like an eight, which is I think is like an honest assessment. Yeah. But for me, what I tell him too, because he's like, oh yeah, you do all these stuff. Like you're not happy. Like I love how I look. That's the thing. Like the difference of it. I don't look in the mirror and see lack of like, oh, I really like hate how I look. Or I'm like picking out all my features, like how people may perceive me to maybe be. I love how I look. Like if I don't do one more thing, I'm like so happy and satisfied. It gives me so much confidence. Like I love how I look. I don't do it for that. I kind of, like I said, I do it like as like a self-expression of like, I don't have tattoos. I don't have piercings, but I like to like say contour the jaw or, or could I lift yeah. a little bit more here? Could I take a little bit of pressure like this off the knees, the labial folds? Can I like raise my brow like a little bit more? Like I do it almost like chiseling or like a sculptor of like a sculpting or some type of thing. What can I do? How can I mold yeah. this this way? Yeah. I have a vision and I like to carry it out artistically. So I love how I look. It's not a body thing. I'm very, I think, honest with how I look. And I, I, I'm i not thinking like, oh, this is so big. And it's not big of like a beat body dysmorphia. Like, oh, my nose is huge. I know my nose isn't big. Right, but I just want right. little tiny refinements for my own. Like, it's like a perfectionism. I have right. like a perfectionist type of mind. OCD type of right, thing. Right, right. And I like control. If I can I'm, control it I'm and gonna fix it. I'm going to go with it. OCD on that one. Yeah, it's a little OCD. <laughs> okay. Do you have any regrets on any of the procedures that you've done? Mm. No, maybe just like, you know, little things like, oh, I wish I didn't see that nurse because she was like really rough, right? I didn't like her technique. Right. So not things you can control. Little, yeah. Nothing like, oh, I really hated getting liposuction or something. Yeah. It was never any, like never anything well, that's that good. I can think of. Yeah, I mean, for the most part. That's really good. I mean, I, years I, of it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, considering how much you've had done and not to have any regrets. I mean. Or it's like, oh, my lips had a little bit of migration. I had to dissolve them or something. Just a little tiny bit once. That was the only like complication. I was a little bit like here, like above the lip. I wanted it crisper. That was the only thing in years that I was like, oh, I just need to refine that. Never yeah. had like. Fingers crossed, nothing bad. Though. I know. You should knock on some serious wood right now. Yeah, seriously, like knock on wood. <laughs> okay, so this is, I think, I mean, we have to go into a part two because we definitely have more things. Yeah, we'll do our, our, our my Ozempic. Yes, And we yes. can talk all about that and like a part two and talk about all like the weight loss and yeah. maybe like body treatments people can do. Like we can talk about like cool sculpting, M-sculpt. You can talk about all like the rage of body stuff. Like this will be like our hair kind of The video hair episode. Kind of, the, the hair <laughs> episode. And then we'll do like an Ozempic Perfect. Loss and we can talk about that too. Okay, so tell people where they can follow you and how they, like your handle and everything. Yes, you guys can follow me. I'm not on Twitter right now, like tweeting or anything, but you can follow me on Instagram at Steven, S-T-E-V-E-N, mango, M-A-N-G-O, like the fruit on Instagram. I answer DMs and stuff. You guys can follow my beauty journey on like my Instagram story, like, 
basically daily. I'm talking about like beauty treatments, procedures, products, I answer questions and all that. So you guys can find me there. And that's the best way to like, kind of like reach me. If you guys have questions about procedures or different things or want my opinion, I can talk to you guys one-on-one there as well. And then I'm on TikTok. I think it's Stephen F as in Frank Mango, but that is where I talk about, I don't have a ton of TikToks, but I have like 60,000 followers, but I talk about like my Scientology and leaving experience with that. So it's not really beauty oriented, but those are the two places you guys can find me. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Devin. Thank you guys. (laughs) All right, you guys, there's the story. I I don't I've listened to it a few times now because I had to edit some stuff. And every time I listen to it, I'm thinking, no, no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Let me know what you guys think. I'm very curious. Message me, whatever. Let me know. I mean, is this something you guys would do? Would you be interested in going to Turkey? I mean, if it was free, would you guys do it? Let me know. I want to know. We're going to talk to Stephen again, though, in a couple weeks, and we're going to talk about some other things. So I am definitely looking forward to that. If you do have more questions for Stephen, please send them my way, and I will definitely ask them. And, you know, he's so open. It's it's really great when you... Obviously, when you're talking to somebody, you know, as as me, I'm doing the interview. It's It's nice when they're so open and there's not any... You can't talk about this. You can't talk about this. It was just nice that he is just an open book and completely willing to share his story. You know, it helps people. It helps people understand the process. And maybe it's going to prevent people from doing it when they realize how intense it is. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. Anyways, I really do hope you guys enjoyed both episodes. And like I said, give me some feedback. Let me know. Hope you guys have a great week. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget to follow me on social media at Pure Skin OC. I post lots of skincare tips and videos. You can find me at TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And of course, you can always visit my website and my online store. If you're local and interested in receiving one of my treatments, all of my services are on there and you can even book from there too. You can also find my skincare coaching if you want to have a virtual consultation with me so that I can help you with your skin. And lastly, but so important, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Besides sharing it with your friends and family, this is the best way to help it grow. Thanks so much, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Until next time.